0: Welcome back to episode 21 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. This week I'm joined by Kieran again and we can go through some of our pre-season thoughts. Welcome back Draft Fantasy Football Managers to the FPL Draft Hub podcast. My name's Mitch and I'm your host and I'm joined again this week by one of my fellow league managers, Kieran. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm good, Mitch. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, thanks. It's good uh, good to get this going again.
1: How have you been fighting on the front line during all this coronavirus stuff?
0: Yeah, I've been uh, very much there on the front line, Um, so lockdown's gone quite
1: quickly for me. Um, What about yourself? Well, uh, I've had a lengthy break from work, not planned, so I've had lots of time to think about fantasy football, and for some stupid reason I started a new job this Monday, so uh the wrong time when i was doing all my draft prep so hopefully i have enough time to get all my stuff sorted
0: yeah that was that was really really poor timing but i'm sure they'll understand every (laughs) friday mid-morning when you're away from your desk (laughs) yeah okay should we uh get into
1: it yep sounds good
0: So, should we talk about project restart then with the the games getting back on?
1: yeah, something that was that we were all waiting waiting for after a couple of months I can't even remember how long it was without football uh and then it was good to get back get it get it back in in whatever shape or form it came back in,
0: yeah, it was good, it was weird. we were so starved of it for a long time and then it felt um quite overwhelming for a few weeks um just the the constant onslaught of the games and obviously slightly surreal with the empty stadiums and and uh, the extra breaks in the games and the extra subs what did you make generally of of the games after the break
1: yeah it was like there's lots of lots of little points there's I'm glad I think at the beginning there was a bit of a worry because of what had happened in the Bundesliga where um, home advantage has kind of disappeared Um, there was a worry that That would reflect in the Premier League, but glad to say it didn't. Especially as a Chelsea fan, we kept still kept losing away. So good to know that uh, home advantage was still still a thing. Uh, One thing that was weird: um, you usually don't get to see the the teams that don't have anything to play for. Sort of like you like it just slowly tapers off. Whereas like it was very evident the teams that just couldn't really be asked (laughs) when they came back um i would say everton is probably like one of them um really didn't like that none like Richarlison, dcl none of them really looked up to scratch um coming back uh, whereas like someone like west ham probably gonna be in antonio and like players like that are probably gonna be in everyone's thoughts for fpl but that's off a strange sample size i'd say what were you what did you think of it
0: yeah and i think part of what um sort of going back to what i said almost made it a bit draining even though we'd been so starved of it was the fact that we were pretty much um you know sort of rude not to watch every game really. So you were watching those those sort of Everton Palace games, um on a Tuesday night and that would be the only sort of football on for that day and so, you know, not always the greatest games and I think yeah. <laughs> games like that even in a in a full stadium not exactly ones you're going to look forward to. I think, I think to be honest, the empty stadiums in a way didn't really affect much. Generally, I'd say. I think the the good teams played well. The poor teams continued to to play poorly, and I don't think any of the teams that went down could really blame the the circumstances. There was uh, there was that VAR. Yeah decision Apart but I mean that. <laughs> that's nothing really to do with the sort of post-lockdown changes that was yeah. just a, a blip in in the technology so
1: a blip and also Bournemouth were terrible all season so like to for it to go down to that like you know you know like yeah they were just terrible they should have been yeah. way off that pace considering some of the attacking players that they've had be so good in previous seasons so uh yeah I just think they've had a really bad season Can't blame it on that.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, they haven't really been raided yet, have they, for any of their players, to my knowledge?
1: Yeah, it feels like no one's really doing much at the moment apart from Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, it's just all been a bit quiet, I'd say, in the transfer market.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, But I guess, you know, so because of that, the pre-season has been compressed into just a few weeks with the fact that they obviously had to have a break as well. Um, some of the teams, obviously in Europe, have carried on playing up until just last week. The likes of uh, Man U and City uh, won't feature for the first for the first week in order to give them uh, a bit of rest. I wonder whether that will be factored into the draft, or if we're we're thinking too long term for that.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. That that's a that's a tougher. I, th- I don't think anyone's going to be caring about that like i think there will be short-term things like injuries and stuff as well i think players will just get drafted where they're drafted and then players might have a rubbish first week and i guess it's a long wait until game week uh 18 when it'll be those will be made up i think it's 18 or something like that 17 or 18 um so yeah uh i don't think it's going to affect the draft too much yeah.
0: that was just my first attempt of many to try and weasel some draft, <laughs> draft knowledge out of you.
1: Get Kevin De Bruyne out out to the second round.
0: <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so, <laughs> so obviously um, slight changes as, we, as mentioned in the restart games. Five subs allowed. Uh, didn't really seem to affect uh, FPL too much. I mean I'm not really basing this on any stats but just from uh, thinking back to my own team I don't really remember too many occasions where it played that bigger a factor.
1: Yeah, neither do I. I, th- I actually didn't mind it, it as something that was a bit different and also uh, seeing all the injuries that were happening towards the end of the season as well is something that I think needed to be done uh, during this period. Um I guess there are lots of people that are glad that it's not happening into the new season. I'm I'm not sure whether that was the right decision considering s- still how thick and fast all the games are going to come. Um, when you do the reading up, you see that like there basically isn't a free game, like uh, I'm sorry, a midweek free midweek for till January or something. Like that's insane, and Spurs are going to have a game every like two days <laughs> in some instances, or may have to do. Spurs may have to do that same situation that Liverpool did last season, where they fielded a under twenty one side for League Cup. Like that, that's how many games there are. Um, so I'm I'm actually really surprised this they, they went scaled back to three subs um, and I guess yeah I guess it's good for us to talk about that and the knock-on effect might be that there's going to be more injuries this season so maybe there's a risk picking up those players that do get injured more often your agueros your canes that sort of thing
0: yeah and there's really like you said there's not a lot of wriggle room in the in the fixture schedule you know Injuries aside, if there's if if we have another lockdown or even on a smaller scale, one or two of the clubs end up, you know, struck down for a couple of weeks, then I think towards the end of the season, the fixture congestion is going to be uh, a big factor. Um, I think it's going to be a factor throughout. There are going to be games I think that are going to get shoved all over the place, and I think those players who are slightly more injury prone are gonna gonna feel the effects of that.
1: Talking of those in- injury-prone players, they're, they're the ones that are gonna make or break uh, people see, like seasons in the draft. Like they, it could propel you so high up the table if you're willing to take those risks. It could also mean that you end up having a complete dud season because I feel like the yeah the what could the potential of some of these players like Kane and Agüero and whatever, considering the amount that they're playing, they could be playing or the amount they could get injured with uh, with the number of fixtures it could it could genuinely be from like 200 points to a 40 point season that sort of thing and that's that's big
0: yeah and i think looking at drafts with sort of probably eight man drafts which will be a fair fair number of the leagues there's definitely i think a lot of people drafting in sort of seventh or eighth spot Especially probably eighth spot could easily find themselves in a position where they could have potentially Kane and Aguero if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, and if you throw uh, Anthony Martial into that mix, because he'll probably be not far off that area too. You know, like you said, there's there's a big upswing there. If you get both of them for a full season, you're, you're laughing. But obviously, if if they they do what they tend to do then you're hmm. going to be really struggling with your big your big picks out
1: yeah and and you're right like that is the exact like point of the uh like on the turn or just around like eighth pick or like 10th like early second round where every, players are gonna have very difficult decisions to make Where and maybe they'll go for a, a banker and someone who's maybe a bit more risky or whatever they or then maybe they go for both risk who knows depends on the on the, the risk profile of the player but um it's there's going to be some tough decisions around that uh position and i wonder if either of us all have to make one of those
0: yeah because i think you know you mentioned how it depends how risk averse the the player drafting is but also around that that sort of mid second round you've got someone like verner who is also a bit of a risk because we don't exactly know how much game time he's going to get where exactly he's going to play how much he'll play and you know if you have someone like that with paired with an Aguero or a Kane who gets injured then again you're in trouble but could have massive potential to just run away with it for you
1: yeah for sure and I, th- I think like I think I was saying to you like there's I'm compared to last season I'm very happy with the the standard of players of like the top 20 players um, I'd be happy drafting in potentially any of those positions and picking up some of some of the players that are available um whereas last season on the turn I was a bit worried about who I'd have to pick up and yeah someone ended up with Pogba who didn't play half the season and then ended up playing deep so it's there seems to be like less risk around those players I know there's injury risk but you I think you'd be happy still drafting players like Martial and stuff. So um even with the injury uh problems they've had in the past. So I'd say, yeah, first two um for our league of ten, the first two rounds, um I'm pretty happy with with what I'd get and then it's then after that it's uh that's when it gets interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there's there's a clear kind of top seven or eight and then the, the players that group afterwards I think are all you know, you could make arguments to to um draft them in many different orders. I think you could have two managers with wildly different draft rankings for that sort of twelfth down to twentieth pick, you know, the likes of Pula Six, your Sons, your the United midfielders, the the Chelsea new guys, um You know, they're all you could make cases to sort of put them anywhere in that kind of list. Obviously, you've got Alexander Arnold and he'll probably be around there, too. Um, So, yeah, I think not many people will be unhappy coming out of coming out of the second round, which I don't know. I know we're sort of drifting into draft territory here, but then it makes me wonder whether having an earlier pick, because if you're sort of saying, well, everyone's going to be pretty similar rounds one and two then being early would give you the sort of earlier picks in round 3 yeah where you're where you're sort of still potentially in the tail of those players which might give you the advantage over people drafting on the sort of turn of of 3 and 4
1: yeah and I, and like yeah maybe we don't need to go into this in this episode but it's it's not just like you mentioned the um the sort of 9 to 20 or something um or 8 to 20 players that you could be in different orders or whatever I I think this is probably one of the first times that even the top uh, players you could you could make a uh, a sort of uh, case for any of them being in any order and also any <laughs> any of the people draft managers would pick if we had to pick the top eight probably each draft manager would have a different order for the top top eight quite significantly even just because yeah they KDB had a mad season. Um, is Salah gonna have another one? Like and like, gonna build on last year, go back to old levels? Who knows? Like, it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting. The first twenty twenty picks.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, obviously we've uh, firmly jumped from project restart into yep. into FPL there, which can lead us into into the game. And I think we were both pretty disappointed with um with the game not really changing at all really from last season um there were some things that had been discussed amongst ourselves about what would be good for the game um they've got lots of uh, inspiration when they can look to other platforms for for ideas and you know apart from the the adjustment to the deadline timings which is there for for all of FPL we didn't really see anything at all.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I don't blame the deadline change because uh, leaks were becoming a really big problem towards the end of last season. Um, so I get I get that, but like they've had a they've had a year to make changes, and actually there was no changes last season to the draft game either um, or the fantasy game. So it feels like they just. They're just sitting on, like, a stagnant, potentially stagnating product. Like, there's other products that are making changes, doing new things, trying stuff out. Uh, Whereas there's, like, cool stuff that they could be doing. Um, There's, like, even... It doesn't even need to be pushing the envelope too much. It could be just things like letting us uh, pick our own draft picks. Like, watching what number we're going to draft at. Or uh, letting players upload a spreadsheet of how they've picked their players for example something like that like little things that mean that people can draft without um without wi-fi um there's lots like just off the top of my head these like these these things or like we we in our league started playing a loan system like doing a loan system that could be integrated into the game or having a cup like we do um it's like there's all these little things that they could have easily baked in but they haven't and they haven't given the league's ability to um change change things like have players locked or unlocked or changing the way the waiver works or it's just all the same so it's really frustrating that two years on the bounce there's been there's been nothing um was there anything you particularly wanted to see
0: i mean they're obviously they they're resting on their laurels because the majority of their their user base is coming from those that play the the standard game and obviously it's a massive massive game with i can't remember how many were in this year maybe 7 7 million players or something and so the majority of the players that find their way into the draft game will have started playing the traditional FPL so it feels and it is really a kind of second rate product as far as they're concerned it's it's like an add-on um, in and you know, which is fair enough because it's obviously not going to overtake the standard game in terms of its scope and 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 popularity. But you know, I think it was highlighted particularly with with obviously Project Restart, and there were a large number of the head to head. Well, all of the head to head leagues were were basically defunct afterwards yeah. and couldn't couldn't carry on. Our our league is obviously a, a classic scoring league, so thankfully. You know, we weren't affected, and there were some very convoluted workarounds that you could do. And I think, for our league, with the with how seriously we take it, we we would have found some way around it. But nothing was particularly ideal, and there was no even, you know, no apology from from the developers or anything. It was just, um, it was quite strange, really, how quiet they were on it and you know i think lots of people ask on twitter lots of people ask questions about whether they're able to do certain things in the game and uh it really doesn't take long before the fan tracks mafia kind of step in <laughs> and uh you know start piping in about what that platform's able to do in terms of multiple leagues and cup competitions and you know things that uh that you can do manually but would just be a nice and relatively simple addition um, to the game i think some people have an issue with the scoring system that's not really an issue for me i think that's part of what makes it so accessible for a lot of people is that the scoring system is the same as it is in in the conventional game and no scoring system's perfect you can overcomplicate things as well as as well as simplifying things, so I don't really have a problem there. But yeah, I'd echo the things you said about even just having a, a loan system built in, a way of having multiple leagues, just simple customization bits, like you said, like being able to to manually sort your own draft order and even manually, you know, decide on different waiver mechanisms. Because obviously, the way the FPL site does it is a pretty safe way of doing things with the with the bottom of the league getting priority every week but there are lots of other ways of of doing things as well um so yeah it is it is a bit disappointing
1: um yeah i remember the head-to-head uh leagues you mentioning it that's like that was a big big issue when project restart started and it does show that they don't really care about um that well they don't care really care about draft because it could have been either of us that he ended up with um, that issue and also to be honest I was the one <laughs> that benefited from it but like it was a bit ridiculous that I just picked up rashford um it seemed it didn't really seem fair just because I was clued on before um all the all the matches got cancelled just before lockdown so there were little things like that that were just just a bit silly and yeah the scoring system Ah, oh, that's what I was gonna say uh I feel like all of these things I don't necessarily have such a big problem with it, but like they could adopt like allowing leagues to have different scoring, which could be like an interesting little thing. So like as an admin of a league, at the when you're setting it up, you could say like we want to stick to traditional FPL scoring or we wanna stick to we wanna do a slightly different one that allows more players to get points, so um like sort of defensive midfielders to get more points for interceptions and things like that so considering we've got a league of 10 people the waiver pool can get quite scarce with the amount of uh points available and like having little little things like that just could allow leagues to experiment and try new things whereas it just yeah it's just stuck where where it is and that's uh it's a bit disappointing
0: i think that's enough fpl bashing (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I I'd, I'd say that I'm probably going to continue bashing when I talk about uh position reclassifications. Uh, well yeah,
0: should we should we move on to that now then as we're yeah. sort of uh on that subject. So obviously big big news in the FPL community was that a lot of uh, big names have been reclassified in terms of their position in the game. It's not a new this isn't a new um thing it tends to happen every year as they as they realize that players have have changed positions slightly um but some real notable ones this season any in particular that uh have caught your eye
1: yeah well, well i say that like um richarlison and uh yeah results and like the classic yeah they're probably like they're basically basically like inverse they the, they're the classic ones that we have seen in previous years where a player started playing up front for a little bit and FPL has been quick to jump onto the the change in position um and yeah so Richarlison's switched to forward um which yeah considering Ancelotti's been playing 442 it's possible he could he would continue playing there but i think he, anyone that's drafting him you've got to be um, aware that it's possible he might play left wing the whole season. So kind of like uh, um, he's just like all the other mids, like your Zaha, et cetera, et cetera, but playing as a forward in the game. Um, How about you? What view? what stuck out to you?
0: I think generally we've lost, we've lost a lot of of good strikers really. Um, Obviously, Aubameyang is a big one and we'll go back to him in a minute. Jota, you've mentioned And then Rashford and Greenwood who were both forwards are now midfielders as well. And you know, the scarcity now in the forward position is is very stark compared to the mids. You know, you could I think you could quite easily find yourself drafting the first three rounds with midfielders if you're in the if you weren't being mindful of the fact and if you're you know, getting into the fourth round and you've not got a striker, the depths that you're scratching around in are really really <laughs> yeah, really poor you know some of the names that you'd be you'd find are the ones left really poor so that's one thing obviously there have been a couple go go the other way so Rashford and Martial have swapped basically Richarlison like you mentioned but I don't think anyone would be very happy if he was their sort of number one striker he's definitely in that number two striker camp and Antonio has gone from a mid to a forward. But again, he's probably not someone that's that's going to be your number one striker for the season. Uh, and then really the other ones, the sort of mid-defensive changes, there's nothing too controversial there, I think. But um, yeah, Bamiang's a big, big one. Obviously had a really good season last year. And I've seen a, t- a few different calculations in terms of trying to work out how his points would have converted based on if he'd been a midfielder last year, varying slightly because he would get extra points for his for his goals and, and for clean sheets, but yeah. he would lose uh, a fair amount of his bonus points. I mean, he still would, I think be a net gain as a midfielder, but not quite as, um, as much as as some might think just on the face value of it. But um I mean, for you, just on that position change, does that affect where you would draft him?
1: Uh, I th- I think considering the scarcity that that's, he's left behind in the forward position, it's hard not to uh, think about that. Um, yeah, because in the forward positions, you've got all these, oh, you've got a lot of strikers at the top of the list that are, injury prone um Aubameyang hasn't been the last few years and you could probably say far and away probably the top striker in in FPL and suddenly he's now a mid not saying that he's a bad mid and obviously like you said he's going to get a few more points than um he did as forward however considering there's such a lack of um yeah it's just it's just it depends on where you're drafting in uh in the league as well whether you'd be happy picking him up or or what but i think i do feel like his stock may potentially lose a bit of value but it's it's hard to say at the, at the moment i'm to be honest in general i'm i th- i think it's a bit messed up to put Ibamiyang a midfielder um in general like he's one of the best strikers in the world and to see him now listed as a, as a midfielder just kind of seems hilarious
0: yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, initially, it made me want to nudge him higher in my in my draft rankings, which are still pretty fluid at the moment, especially the the top sort of seven or eight. But then when I look at the players who I had just above him, the players just below him, it ended up I didn't really end up changing very much at all. And yeah, onto you know going back to the striker situation, I think the key this season is going to be unearthing. Uh, An Ings or or a a sort of Pookie how he was early on because it's gonna you know someone is gonna pick up a striker in the late rounds I don't know who what sort of names that could be whether it's a big season from Mitrovic or a new striker that hasn't even been brought into the league yet but I think you know someone's gonna have to try and unearth uh, a gem somewhere down in the lower draft ranks
1: like Patrick Bamford.
0: Yeah, his name did <laughs> flit into my mind and then <laughs> I didn't say it.
1: Yeah, I I think that considering what um what FPL have done with like Salah and stuff like that, um Aubameyang's position was um it's inevitable that it was going to change, but it just it does feel odd. It feels like it feels like other other potentially other sort of classifications of positions would have been better. Um, cause you think of your like players like Mares and Salah and all that sort of stuff. You think of them as forwards. They play a- along the front three. Um, so surprising. They're not cla- classed as, as that in the game. And it's, and it's weird that a is going to get an extra point, uh, per goal than Harry Kane. And also might, cause if Lacazette leaves, might just end up playing the whole season at center forward. So, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird position change. And I think, this, yeah, the scarcity at forward, take it from someone who picked Jota in the fifth round last season and it did not work out so well. Um, you got to be mindful of when and uh, you pick your first striker. And uh, I guess, yeah, it's about unearthing that gem. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's a completely um,
0: fluid situation and there are loads of variables that are completely out of your control but I think if you're if you're coming out of round 3 in the draft and you don't have a forward then you're in real trouble I think the other people who might find themselves in a, in a weird spot as well and not to say that they would have necessarily done anything wrong but the ones who end up with uh, a Trent Alexander-Arnold or a Robertson in those early rounds you've got to try and think what their their team make-up will look like in terms of what positions they've had. So they'll have picked a defender, they'll have probably picked a midfielder, and then, you know, what's that third spot that they would have taken? Presumably a striker, but, the, you know, the number of midfielders who are able to to rack up decent points in that sort of what we were talking about, the turn of the first and second round, yeah. you'd have to assume that they've been completely, you know, missed that bus
1: yeah you might you might end up like you might end up having having to in the draft uh, reach for a striker if if you've got you'll have a mid, ready made midfielder potentially like a, i don't know a Madison or something like that that you're like oh i'm happy with what their production is i want to bring that person in but you also want to think about getting your strikers in and maybe the next time it gets round to you there's not going to be anyone left so then you have to maybe drop down and get i don't know some uh, a striker just to start filling out the positions but it's hard um that's why the draft day is so fun because you have to keep thinking on your toes and who knows like who's what situation someone's going to put you in because like exactly what you described happened to me last season when the person before me picked Trent and I went into the draft not expecting to pick Robbo I did and then in the third round by the time it got round to me it made no sense for me to pick a striker. And I think actually the whole third and fourth round or some, uh, the whole third round was midfielders for us because no one saw the value in bringing a striker in at that point because all the best ones had gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly look at a couple of the mids who are now defenders quickly. Um, two probably of the standout names. Uh, Fernandinho for City is now defender, and Eric Dyer for Spurs is now defender. Fernandinho is an interesting one. He's someone who's been he's in and out of a lot of people's drafts teams throughout the season as a as a sort of three pointer and he was quite generally pretty nailed on at centre back for, for City for a lot of last season, especially as Laporte missed most of it. I'm just a little bit wary of him this season. And then Eric Dyer, I think, is probably gonna be the most nailed-on defender at Spurs, um, and if we're to get what we expect from Mourinho, that could see him picking up quite a lot of clean sheets.
1: Yeah, you've got. I think like both, both look interesting, and both look uh, both have their downsides as well. You just got like I'm sure they're somewhere on everyone's radar for uh, draft ranks. Um, with Dyer, yeah, like you said, Mourinho teams you you. You associate them with being good defensively, but um, they've also got lots of fixtures in the League Cup and Europa League and all that sort of stuff coming their way as well. Um, so it might be tough to to stay like um, uh, stay clued on until the until the 90th minute um, in terms of clean sheets. So that that's one thing for Fernandinho. Again, looks good on the surface. Change to a defender. Hopefully, could get more points. But Pep Roulette, we've all been stung by. And with them signing Aki and lots of rumours about another centre back, and potential of him sort of like he's thirty five now. I think he didn't look too great in that uh, uh, that game against Leon. So I'd, I'd not not to just judge him by one game, but it, it might be the season of transition for Fernandinho, where I think potentially he might. Stop playing midfield a little bit again, but then he's useful for getting those clean sheet points even in midfield. But it's it's tough. I think this could be his his sort of last wind down season. Um, but both probably both worth a punt, especially in a ten man league like ours. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, and then just finally, then on the on the reclassified positions, we've got Rashford and Greenwood, who are both now both now midfielders who both if you ask them what their position was would probably say I'm a centre forward. Yeah. And with you know, the nature of Martial. So I think the only Man United strikers in the game at the moment are Martial and Ogalo, <coughs> Unless I've <laughs> unless I've forgotten somebody. If I have then the you know, no one particularly. I'm just having a look now. But anyway, you know, it's not gonna take a huge... Um, yeah, they are the only two in the game, I think. Anyone else? Oh, so yeah, they're the only two. It's not a huge jump of the imagination to imagine Martial getting injured for a period of time. And then you're looking at probably Rashford becoming Man United centre-forward with Greenwood deputising and moving around a bit mid-game based on whatever subs they make. So, you know in my eyes their value has increased because of their position change um but in terms of draft rankings it's probably not moving them both a huge amount i don't know about you
1: yeah i don't think it's moving them a lot it's there's still lots to sort of think about and some probably another topic that we'll just we'll touch on um is like the extended transfer window so Um, Sancho has been touted for months and months and months it feels like it's one of those things that's going to go down to the wire um, and transfer windows obviously extended off into the season as well so it could be a while um, before he arrives um, which would see a front three of Greenwood Rashford and Martial to start Um, and then like you said Martial uh, gets injured meaning that one of those two moves further forward you'd you'd think Um, Greenwood looked really good um, once pro- uh, project re- during project restart, but I did feel like he tired a little bit towards the uh, towards the final few games as well, because um, I guess his minutes do need to be managed. So, so I he's a, he's a more difficult one to place um, in in draft rank at the moment. I don't it doesn't move, their position change doesn't move move them that much for me, but it is it is more difficult with Sancho coming in to know exactly what's going to happen. But like you said if martial gets injured you're probably thinking that greenwood's going to come in um with a little shift of formation um maybe rashford going up top but i'm not sure who but rather than Galo playing more games so yeah i i think there's there's still value in both those players it's just greenwood's the the more difficult one to place
0: yeah i think that's the thing to try and it's just trying to weigh out whether the the potential for them playing out of position due to circumstances changing is worth picking them over, you know, a a decent forward that might be sort of sitting there around the same point in the draft. You know, you could have uh, a Jimenez or an Ings in a similar kind of spot. And I think for me, the forwards would just, would win out in in, in all those tight calls, especially in the second and third rounds. I think... I'd be leaning towards the strikers in those situations. And, you know, looking at, just clicking on Martial's history, I mean, last season was pretty much the most, apart from his first year in the Premier League, was the most minutes he's ever played. Yeah. And generally, he averages a 1,000 minutes less than than the number he played last season. So if history's to to be believed, it's likely that, Rashid's going to find himself, barring any transfers, like you said, he's going to find himself being the centre forward.
1: Yeah. And uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, sort of the extension of the transfer window? Because that's a new thing for this season.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm, I think we'll have played four game weeks before the close of the transfer window and I imagine a lot of those game weeks were not, you know, those final few weeks, there's not going to be a hell of a lot of activity until the last few days. Four weeks is quite a long time in FPL. The only benefit to it being a little chunk of time rather than maybe one week into the season is that you would assume no one is going to be able to play on the fact that they want to be bottom for for the early waiver priority because if you know that the waivers the the transfer window is is going to close one week into the season being bottom after week one is really not a big deal if it means that you get messy (laughs) (laughs) you know but I think four weeks no one is going to be no one's going to be able to have the luxury of of trying to plan for that in any shape or form even if it looks pretty clear that there is going to be a big name Entering, it's just waiting for the deal to get over the line. So that's one good thing about it, but obviously it's it's not ideal. And similar, it's it's almost like another January transfer window because there's just going to be a couple of random players, whoever finds themselves bottom, that could end up with a player that can really propel them up the league. Um, it's just going to be one of those things. It's nothing really that can be
1: that can be planned for i don't think yeah the only the only thing i would say is a little bit different to january is that you get players that are just in january you get players that some play some teams have signed players like laporte for example got signed in jan and they didn't actually play that often till the end of the season um and then it's just because he's the shiny new new thing in the premier league you, you kind of end up taking the risk of bringing that person in um, whereas now you'd assume anyone that signed, they're probably get, they have a good chance of actually being embedded into that team. Um, so there's a little bit less risk there. But what we do to sort of alleviate the the issue of some random manager just ending up with Messi um, is that we we during the draft we have a we've had a little system before where if a player fit like. All the players get together, the draft managers. Um, we define which players we want to add into the draft. Um, someone who we think is probably going to sign in, in the um, the next month. And and then they're assigned a placeholder player. Um, someone it's like one of your in, under 18 players that's in the draft game. Someone like that. Um, and they basically stay as a placeholder in that manager's team until that player arrives or doesn't. It just means that if someone wants to take the risk on drafting Messi because there are massive rumours of him coming to City, um, any manager is capable of doing that during the draft, and it adds an extra level of, I guess, spice to the to the mix. But it also helps uh, reduce the likelihood that some random manager who just ends up on forty-eight points that week, rather than and another one ends up on forty-nine, and one of them gets an absolute worldie of a player added to their already star started team.
0: Yeah, if that's an issue that people have been trying to work out how to get around in their leagues, that's one way of doing it, like we said, um, where you just, say, adopt a placeholder. So pick one of the, the crap players in the game and just um, then when the player is properly added, if they're properly added to the game, that player just can free agent them in and everyone else uh, stays clear of them. fine well i think that pretty much covers our list of what we wanted to get through in terms of pre-season stuff uh anything else you wanted to add for now
1: uh do you want to tell me your top 10 picks
0: uh i do not <laughs>
1: um, <laughs>
0: because i don't know them <laughs> <laughs> um but um yeah so have you started in earnest getting your rankings together
1: yeah i i have I've, I've to be honest like you said uh lots of the rankings around um sort of the internet and sort of twitter and stuff like that are fan fantrack's ranking so it's hard to like i sort of discovered that last season so it's hard to sort of decipher them back to the same scoring system that we have for fpl um yeah. but yeah so then it's just like figuring out what things matter to you and what play yeah it's, it's just yeah it's, it's, it is something that really takes dedicated time and when i was off it was a lot easier to do that um because you just have to it's not just figuring out points uh what you think like it's each individual player you need to figure out whether what they achieved last season is out of this world um the bottom level of what you expect from them um or what it is, yeah, it's 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 taking it's taking its time. Lots of calculations, and I'm not someone who's very good with Excel, as you've seen.
0: <laughs> yeah, any sort of general change in ethos for you ahead of this draft? I mean, uh, you know, in terms of during the season, you're obviously renowned for being a fairly conservative operator. Does that? Do you think transfer to the draft, or are you just is that too constraining, and you just play it?
1: As it comes, I think something that I'm trying to it's it's really difficult. I think I'm I'm going to try and be uh, a little try and play a little different at the beginning of the season. I've noticed that I've had two slow starts the last two seasons, and pretty much probably cost me quite dearly. So um, it's potentially just sticking with those people from the draft a little bit too long. Um, just hoping that they are gonna do something. Um but yeah last season I, I I actually went back like I think you had a um a little uh, debrief with yourself about what you were doing in those particular weeks. I actually feel like I was dropping players at the right moments and trying to be a bit trying to do that last season. uh at the beginning of the season I just ended up dropping players too early like Lundstrom I dropped early just after a few bad games um and things like that. So it's just it's it's trying to find that sweet spot um and after probably that one season where I dropped players too late and then last season where I was probably a bit too quick to pull the trigger, um, I'm hoping for a more of a balanced look at those players. Um, how about you? What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, like you said, I tried to have a bit of a debrief. Um, just look back uh, predominantly at trades and, and just looking back at my my waivers and free agents, Just just with the the eye of hindsight just to see what I could tell. It's really difficult to put your mind back into that week when you were deciding what to do when you've got the knowledge of the results in mind and I've seen a lot of people talking about how they're going to change the way they think about playing normal FPL and talking about being content with the decision and not worrying about the results basically so as long as you're happy that the decision you made was sound then the results will come and if they don't then you can sort of debrief but trying to keep a track of that throughout the season because once you look back and the results already out then is it's, the whole thing's clouded so I might keep a sort of um maybe a bit of a journal this year just so like before I've uh, you know once I've got my waivers penciled in I can be like right I'm bringing in Ben me for X player because of this. Just write it down in, you know, black and white. And then it's there. And then you can try and analyze that after. And I was listening to a really interesting podcast. that I think somebody on FPL Twitter ended up posting a week ago with um, on. It's called The Knowledge Project is the name of the podcast. And it was with uh, a lady called Maria Konnikova who is a journalist, a writer, but ended up trying to see if she could get into professional poker, which is obviously something that we have gotten into ourselves in yeah. in lockdown. Shout out, poker um, now. Shout out, poker now, absolutely. Um, and so it obviously p- piqued my interest. And she basically went from knowing nothing about poker at all, like didn't even know how many cards there were in a deck of cards, to she is now a professional poker player, and she had a mentor, and you know, obviously put a lot of work in. But a big part of her was uh, of her process was just making sure that there was sound decisions. And obviously, there are big similarities between poker and FBO, in that you're you're, you know, you're playing within elements of skill, but also with elements of luck. And probabilities are involved as well, and as long as you're consistently making sound decisions, then in theory the the results should follow um so that's maybe something i'm gonna try out,
1: yeah, I think in terms of uh that sounds that sounds really uh that sounds really good it's something to reflect on i'm I have a
0: few that's the key word there is reflect that's yeah a, that's probably sums it all up,
1: yeah. I'm, for me, I think I think I do have a slight different draft strategy, but something I'm probably not willing to reveal to you just yet. Um, a few things that just I, f- I feel just like just share well, it with the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll not uh, yeah. listen. and also the the uh, you and the eight others that are in our draft league. <laughs> um, I think that there are a few things that are just gonna just gonna help me draft better um, and just get yeah better outlook. Um, uh, of of the team. So just got a few things in mind. Um, we'll see if they work out after the draft.
0: Well, that sounds like a pretty good place to wrap things up. Sounds good. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this conversation and it's got your juices flowing ahead of your drafts. I know some of you may have already drafted. It'd be interesting to hear from you and post your drafts um, to us on twitter just so we can share them with everyone else and people can compare notes best way to do that is at fpl draft hub pod or at fpl draft hub on twitter if you liked this episode then please subscribe so that you can uh, catch all the other episodes as they come out obviously we are affiliated with fpl dot com which is currently in pre-season training at the moment but we'll be back with us uh, for the start of the new season and we'll be a big feature in the pods throughout the year. So I'm sure you'll get drawn to that as you listen to the episodes, but yeah, it's goodbye from me
1: and from me, but just to add to Mitch, what Mitch just, just said just then, um, if anyone didn't get a chance to log on to FPL draft hub during project restart, there were a bunch of new tools. So do um follow FPL draft hub on Twitter to make sure you're clued into when it's back and see the new features such as seeing what other players in leagues of the same size as yours are doing, seeing who they're transferring in and all that sort of good stuff. Um it's something that's really re- it was really relevant to, to our league and helped us, so yeah, get get on that. And yeah, goodbye from me.
0: Thanks, Kieran, and yeah, I think we'll probably get Taron, the the brains behind FPL Draft Hub, back on the pod sometime early in the season to take you through all that himself. But yeah, for now, take care, good luck in your drafts, and stay shook.